Hey, we're going to stand up and pray one more time, okay? It's early, but let's, let's pray the presence of God in this place so that we can get the Word that's going to change us. Amen? Father, we're, we come before You, Lord, needing answers and knowing that you, you are the answer. You're the answer to all of our questions, all of our problems, Lord, all of our concerns. You're the answer, Lord God, to life. God, when we were, when we were just rocking and, and just in the depths of despair, you answered us and came to us. And, and Lord, we, we gave our hearts and lives to you. And Lord, this day we need answers. Father, we, we are a desperate people at a, in a desperate time. And none of us, God, has all the answers, but you do. And Father, we, we've arrived here today. And we haven't come, Father, just to sing a few songs and touch one another and leave. God, we've come to encounter you. And I pray, Lord, that, that the words that are spoken right now would be like apples of gold and settings of silver. And in the name of Jesus, God, we would encounter you, Lord, through your word that's, that's breathed through my, my brother, Rob. Father, I pray for an anointing upon him, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that, that you would just touch each one of our hearts, Lord, through your word. We've come to you, God. We know that you have the answers to all of our questions. And we just ask, God, that you would just show up in a powerful and mighty way in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Um, I love the seriousness of that prayer. I wrote a couple things down. If you bear with me, I would like to read some things when I was praying. I wrote this in, in light of the prayer. It's good. It says, it's important to be ready now to pull and receive the word of God. In our spirits to be prepared to hear what Jesus would say to us by his spirit and through his word. It's important that we do not become apathetic when it comes to having an expectation that God will speak to us. We've come here to worship God and to hear from Him. And the Lord is faithful. And what that means is if we come ready, prepared to hear, that God will actually speak to us. And as I was, I was praying about this, I, I felt this burden in my heart to, to remind us of that before we get into the Word. Because I feel like so much of our life is routine. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, and we just kind of get into the, the routine of, you know, we, we go to work or, you know, we come home, we, we eat dinner at the same time, you know, maybe you watch the same shows, maybe you go outside and watch the kids ride the bikes, that's what we do. Um, you come to church and, and so much is routine and, and in that place of routine, we can forget to really pull and really, really have a heart open to receive what God is saying and and I remember that Jesus, when he was preaching all the time, he was always telling people, hear, hear what I'm saying. How many have read that? Often. He was ears to hear. Let him hear 
what the Spirit's saying. You know, the point being that, you know, God is revealing things for those that would listen. And it's so important that, you know, when we come to a place, I was thanking God during worship that we live in a country where we can freely meet. I mean, I know it seems like a small thing because we've been used to that all our lives. But I want you to know what a big deal it really is. That we can openly come together as the body to openly worship God. We're, we're, we're not worrying about, you know, that the government's going to come rushing in here at this moment and break up our meeting. We're, we don't have to deal with all those distractions. And all we have to deal with is, is that we're going to come together and we're going to hear the Word of God. I, to me, church is a waste of time if you're not going to hear from God. Are you hearing me? It's a big waste of time. There are so many places I would rather be if I'm not going to actually meet with God. Amen? So if you're here, and I believe you are, because I can see you, don't waste this time. Pull. You know, there's a, a whole teaching on uh, he receive a righteous man in the... In the name of a righteous man, he receives a righteous man's reward. He receives a prophet, and the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward. The reward is the thing that they bring. The gift that they bring. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm just saying that if somebody comes fully loaded with the word, the more you pull, the more you receive, the more you are going to get what you need to sustain you. And the Bible says the word of God sustains us. You know, Jesus made a point of saying you can't live by bread alone. It's been decreed by the Father that man shall not live by bread alone. What that means is God said this, man will not survive, cannot live apart from my words. And when we recognize that, it's smart of us that we all got up this morning and came here because we're like, you know, we want some of that word to sustain us. You know, and and I love the logos of God, the broad sweep of God and the doctrine, but it's the rhema. When God speaks to you and you know God has spoken to me, that's the thing that sustains me to the point where I just realize no matter what's going on, I know that I heard from God. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? When God speaks to you, when the Lord gives a word to you and you know that it's the Lord, there's no circumstances that can rip that thing out of you. And listen, you could be sitting right in a service and all of a sudden pull something right out and you say, that's for me. Amen? So I want to be ready. I I felt like... We needed to be ready. The other thing I felt like when I was praying was I felt like the Lord told me that the word today is specifically for those people that would describe themselves as stuck. Just let that hang there for a minute. They they would describe themselves as stuck. I just feel stuck. Now, what is it like to be stuck? I remember when I was a kid and the spring rains would come up north in the mud and you know there were places that when you put your foot down you would just start sinking you know and you would get stuck stuck meaning you can't move you feel like you've been just kind of going through the motions in the same place doing the same thing for a long period of time and you just feel stuck and for this particular vernacular i would say spiritually For those people that feel stuck spiritually, you know, like they want to press in. I was reminded of something during worship. Uh, How many remember Keith Green? 
Remember, he prayed this prayer that I'd heard of where he got into a place where he was feeling like he was just stuck, kind of going through the motions, and he, and he prayed and he said, God, make, make my heart like baby skin. And I was reminding about that during worship. I found myself praying that, you know, God, I don't want to, I just don't want to go through the motions. You know, I, I want my heart to be soft. I want to, I want to burn for your word. I want a real relationship because what happens is when we don't have a real relationship, um, instead of becoming holy, we become hypocrites. When you become a hypocrite, it's that you wear a mask and you're like, okay, I'm pretending that this is what I really am because this is what I know I'm supposed to do, but there's no real life in, in the relationship. Are you guys hearing me? I, listen, that's a terrible feeling. Does anyone know what I That's a terrible feeling when you're just feeling like, man, I just got, you're not connecting. You know, and then you just feel like I got to do this because this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's like, I want, I want, I want my heart to be like baby skin. I want my heart to be soft again. It's like, I, I want this to be real. I want it to be genuine. You understand? I, I want to walk with God that's real and genuine, that when He speaks to me, I hear it. And despite anything that we see with our eyes, the eyes of our spirit are so much, so much more real than that. Amen? pastor asked me to speak on the, the character of faithfulness. He's doing a series on character. And it's going to be a little different. Um, you'll have to really pull hard because I'm telling you, I have like so much stuff floating around in, in my heart and in my head that I feel like I could teach the next six weeks on this easily. Um, but, you know, clearly we, we can't do that. Um, so I want you to be ready to pull out what you need. Are you hearing me? Are you here, church? Faithfulness. It starts with the decision is maintained by commitment and possessed by the Spirit of God. The Lord Himself is the picture of faithfulness and the Bible instructs us in Psalm 37 to feed on His faithfulness. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Some of the stuff that I'm saying, I want to encourage you, if you hear something today and you know that that is for me, I want you to get the CD or listen to it online over and over and over again. This morning, when I was, I was up very early um, praying and walking outside, it was so beautiful, wasn't it? I was like, this is what it's like to walk with God in the coolness of the morning. I mean, it was just, I was like, this is Bible right here. It was so good, and I was walking around with the Lord, and I felt like the Lord sort of reminded me of some stuff. You know how the Bible talks about meditating on His Word? And that word meditate, the word picture, okay, in the original language is, is a cow that's chewing cuds, and He chews them, and then they start to be digested, and then they actually, this is gross, but they come back up, and then they chew them again, and there's this process where they keep chewing, digesting, chewing, digesting, and that's the word picture of what it means to meditate, it's the picture of that you're going to grab hold of a word that God speaks to you and you're going to chew on it. You're going to continue to feed on that word until that word produces change. Because here's what happens, guys. You hear the word and it goes to your intellect. But when you hear it over and over and over and over and over again, when you chew on it, it gets in your heart. And when it gets in your heart, from the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks and it comes out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth, you all know where I'm going, your tongue is the rudder of your life, then your life is drawn to that word. You understand? That's why it's so important to meditate on the things that God is saying. 
over, you know, we can go, wow, that's good and forget all about it. But when we grab hold of what God is actually saying and we choose to meditate on it and listen to it over and over, it will produce change in our lives because it goes from our head to our heart, out of our mouth, and then our life begins to go the way that we are speaking. You understand? I remember early on uh, in my marriage, I had a lot of growing up to do, not just in that area, but a lot of areas, unfortunately. But I had a lot of growing up to do in that particular area. And I never really had any good teaching on marriage. And there's a lot of good teaching out there from the Bible about how men are different, have different needs. Women are different and women have different needs. And, you know, you're young and you're in love and you get married and people try to tell you and you're like, yeah, 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 we're in love. (laughs) You know, and you think that's going to be enough. You know, and then you start arguing about stupid stuff and you're like, are we really this shallow? I put the ironing board away. (laughs) You were supposed to put the iron away, you know. You find yourself arguing about the, the dumbest things, and you're like, I can't believe that this has happened to us. And uh, I remember grabbing hold of some marriage uh, teachings. Back then, uh, you know, they were on tapes. And I listened to those, literally, I, I listened to them 17 times. That's not just a random number. I listened to that whole series 17 times. I played them over and over. There was one, my favorite one was one called Listen to Your Wife. All the ladies in here said amen. <laughs> Listen to your wife. I played it over and over and over and over again, and I learned things from the Word of God about my wife that I didn't know. And you know what happened? It went from my head to my heart, out my mouth, and then I started to walk in the things that the Word says. You know, and, and, uh, and over, over a period of time, I grew. Our marriage grew, and we got stronger. And, you know, and having kids and that type of thing, it prepared us. For, for some of the stuff that we're going to have to walk through later on in our lives. But that's how it works with the Word. You have to grab hold of the Word and you have to replay that Word over and over. And this morning when I was walking in the coolness with the Lord, I felt like the Lord reminded me of that. And said, so you've got to remind people that they have to meditate on the Word. You can't just hear it one time and then go back to your life, you know what I mean, and forget all about it. You understand? So if the Lord speaks to you today, I want you to grab hold of it and replay it. A um, couple things about faithfulness, and then I'm going to preach. Is that all right with you? When it comes to faithfulness in the natural, we are given many opportunities at work, in our marriages, with our friendships. And it's a big deal to God because how we interact in the natural reveals our character or lack of it. Remember this practical things are spiritual. I want to say that one more time. Practical things are spiritual. One of the biggest mistakes the Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled church, whatever you want to call us, has made is in recognizing this, again, that practical things are spiritual. Very often we have lacked the discipline to walk out in the natural that which was birthed in the spirit. It's like we, we, we value in Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled um, services, we value trying to hear from God, Right? We value trying to get vision from God. But we've been weak in, in lacking the discipline to walk out the vision that God shows us. Can we say amen? I mean, that's just the reality. Because we'd much rather get in God's presence oh, and just hear God speak to me and you know, go from rhema word to rhema word and then forget that we still live. <clears throat> excuse me still live in a practical uh, world. So often things that are birthed in the Spirit need to be walked out in the natural. And I want you to understand that it's a big deal to God how we interact in the natural. Insight, listen, it is internally significant to understand 
that how we live in the natural, the decisions we make are not made in a moment of time, but are rooted in our character. Therefore, it behooves and benefits us to go into partnership with the Holy Spirit by submitting to the character-building work that He subjects us to in order to develop our character. We have a need for faithfulness, and God will allow us to walk in it as we submit to the work of His Spirit. It's our goal to hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And so we need to understand what faithfulness is. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit that comes when we walk with Him. It sometimes helps to understand something when you look at the antithesis or the opposite of it. And then that helps you understand the genuine more. And we're going to start our scriptures in Hosea 6.4. We can just put that up there. You don't need to turn there right now. Is that, you got that? Hosea 6.4? 6.4. I guess not. Um, let's turn our Bibles in. <laughs> it's okay. When you're there, say amen. It's in the Old Testament. Hosea, Joel, Amos, around that area. Are we there? Okay. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud. And like the early dew, it goes away. God here is not happy with their faithfulness and He describes it as like a morning cloud and like the early dew, it goes away. Um, When you get up in the morning, the grass is wet, but it's only wet for a short time because the sun comes out, right? The picture here is God is saying, you know, I'm going to describe your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is, it's there, but then when the heat is on, it's nowhere to be found. You understand? That is a picture in the Bible of false faithfulness. Is, is that when heat comes, when intensity comes, when trials come, when tribulation comes, so quickly your faithfulness, I can't see it. It's like a cloud that blows away. It's like the morning dew that the sun scorches and it's no longer there. Therefore, true faithfulness is faithfulness that remains despite heat. Are you hearing me? Faithfulness is tested. Over a long period of time and in small things. There's a parable in the New Testament that Jesus, he gives out a, a, a group of, uh, an amount of money. And he says, I, you know, I want you to be faithful with this. And then it says he goes away for a long time. He gives a small amount of money. And he goes away for a long time. When he comes back, he said, you've been faithful a little bit. I'm going to make you ruler over much. You all know this. This is Sunday school, right? He says, I'm going, to make you, I'm going to make you ruler over much because you've been faithful with little over a long period of time. So over a long period of time, God tests your faithfulness in small things and sits and watches to see when the heat is on, how will you react? Because so many people get offended, right? When we go through difficult times. Listen, I want to say this. I need to say this. The Bible says that narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life and fewer they that find it. Okay, one more time. Narrow, (laughs) okay, and difficult. All right? We need to really think of narrow and difficult. Because if we understand that, if, if we put that on the front end, on the doorway, you know, to the place that we are trying to walk with God, then we won't become offended when it gets tight. 
You understand? We won't become offended when it becomes difficult because we're recognizing the problem is sometimes we want to change that heading on that path. You know, and we're going to change that. We're going to erase that narrow and difficult. We're going to say wide, rich, blessed. Fill, fill in whatever you want to fill in there. You know, CEO, boat owner, whatever. Whatever thing in the natural we feel like that we should... How about this? No problems. You understand? No issues. Nothing ever breaks. No problem fellow workers. For me, it'd be no problem students. Raise. You understand? No back problems. Right? No relative problems. Yeah, I went there. No car problems. How many of your cars ever broke down? It's like when you drive to work and you see people with their cars broken down in the morning, you know, if you have a heart, you're like, oh, that that stinks. You're feeling the, their pain because you've been there and you're just like, man, there's nothing worse than when you have car problems and you weren't expecting it and you're on the side of the road and you're calling the tow truck and you're just like, I can't believe that this is how my morning started, you know. First the coffee maker broke and now <laughs> the car you understand? I should have got AAA, and it's going to cost me how much? Um, I had one of those uh, a couple years ago, about a year and a half ago, and you know, so I called the tow truck, and they took my vehicle away, and they called me up, and you know, and I was waiting for the report, and they're like, "Yes, you need a new engine." <laughs> you know, that's going to be any worse. Why did you just say new car? <laughs> you need a new engine, but. The Bible says narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life and few are they that find it. And so the reality is, is that we're going to be faced with heat. If we live, when we live here, we're going to be faced with heat. The heat is going to come up on us and like the dew, we're going to be tempted to run away. Like a cloud that just wants to float away. How many have ever just felt like quitting and thrown in the towel? Am I the only one? How many this week? You know what I mean? So many times we just feel like, uh, you know, enough is enough. False faithfulness is that when the heat is on, we run away. Now, I want to I um, preface this or temper this with grace. Because I was, I was mowing the lawn, meditating on these things. This is what I do when I'm going to preach. I just think about it all the time. You know, I just roll it around and I'm just thinking about it all the time when I'm going to what I'm going to speak on. And I was mowing the lawn and I was thinking about how David blew it big time. Right? I mean, you know the story. Adulterer, murder. You know, when I have a heart like David. He blew it big time. But there was grace. And we made a decision to, you know, keep following God. He repented. You know, Psalm 51, when he had that moment when he got before the Lord and he realized that he'd sinned. And so the beautiful thing is, is even when we make mistakes and, and we, we become like that morning dew and we're like, God, I had enough of this, and we go off the deep end, there's still grace because of the cross. And as long as you're kicking, you can always come back to God. That's an encouraging message, isn't it? 
Because otherwise, we feel like, well, if I blow it, that's it, because I broke one of the rules, you know. But you understand, you can't try to live by the rules to be righteous. I said this last time I preached, it's so good. C.S. Lewis said, I didn't know how bad I was until I tried to be good. Right? I mean, come on, try to, just try to keep all the rules, and you realize, man, I am bad, and not like bad meaning good, but, but bad. You know, and the whole idea is that it would lead you to the cross. You realize I need grace because I can't walk this stuff out in my own strength. So I want, I want to temper that. I want you to remember that if you mess up, if you fail, if you fall, if you sin, that all you got to do is come back to the cross. And there's grace available for you. And that's so exciting that you realize that, you know what? God is for us, not against us. He, he is loving. You know, in school, one of the things I teach, because we do this particular story where it's this Christian allegory, and um, there's a picture of the ark, you know, with the cherubs over the ark. And that seat on the top of the ark of the covenant was called the mercy seat. And I always say to the kids in schools, aren't you glad that God doesn't sit on the judgment seat, but he's, he's sitting on the mercy seat. Now, there will come a time when he will judge, you understand? But right now, he's sitting on the mercy seat. He's made mercy available through his blood. And that means when we walk on that narrow and difficult path, if we slip or we complain or we mess up, or if we run back to the beginning and we're like, I don't want to do this, but then we think better and we repent and we come back, that God still has grace for us. But the goal ultimately is, is that we would be faithful in the end. You know, the door is open to the good and the faithful servant. I mean, that is the goal of our life that, you know, when you're standing there in front of him, that he says, come on in, good and faithful servant. Well, how can you be faithful? Faithfulness, as we mentioned, is proven over time. It's not how you start a race, but it's how you finish that is significant. You know, Paul said to run your race with patience is one that would receive the prize. Um, 1 Peter 1.9, I think we have this, right? Or 1 Peter 1 through 9. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. I want to say that again. He's begotten us, listen, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? To an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now watch this. In this, in the fact that you have an incorruptible inheritance that's undefiled and does not fade away, you rejoice. That's a good thing. Can you say amen? There is an inheritance for me that is undefiled that no one can take that away. It's reserved for me in heaven. Right? He says, in this you rejoice. Yes, heaven, good. Though now, everyone say now. For a little while, if need be. If you've turned there in your Bible, you want to circle this or highlight it or put a little star next to it. It says, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Why? That the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, 
whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving in the end of your faith, what do you get? The salvation of your souls and that incorruptible inheritance that's reserved for you in heaven. But it says this, in this you greatly rejoice, though now in the place that we live, in the realm that we live, if need be, if it's necessary, sometimes we don't understand what's necessary because we don't have God's perspective. You know what I mean? And when God looks at us, sometimes He says, you know, there's things that are necessary and we don't always understand those things. In fact, most of the time, I think we don't. And He says, if, it, if need be, there are things necessary that even though they're, they're grieving you, various trials that you're going through, they're coming that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold, though it perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation. As I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago when I preached, is, is that when we call down fire on ourselves, Really, biblical fire is refining fire. And everyone that ever walks to an altar and says, Jesus, come into my heart, change me. I love you. I turn my back on the world. I want to know you. Everybody look at me. If you've done that, that confession is going to be tested by fire. If need be. Listen, that's not very exciting. You know, who says, yes, give me more trials and tribulations. That's what I'm all about. Bring it. And I was watching that, that show how the emperor lost his groove or something. I forget how it was the other day with my kids, you know. And they're like, we're going over waterfall. Yeah, sharp rocks. Yeah, bring it. You know, that's not real life. You know what I mean? Going over waterfall, sharp rocks, cry. That's not good. No one's like, yeah, trials and tribulations. Come on. Somebody shout. <laughs> right? Trials and tribulations. He said, if need be, you've been grieved. He, he goes on in this same uh, book, First Peter, and he, and he says, don't be surprised that you have fiery trials going on right now. What, and, and he tells us, why are these things coming? Because they're testing with fire the genuineness of your faith. Here's why. This is really exciting. You've got to see this, okay? Because there are some really big things that God has for you in eternity. You understand? The Bible says the one who flung the stars with his hands will demonstrate his, will spend his time demonstrating his kindness to us who believe right now. That faith has great reward. The Bible says do not cast off that faith because it carries with it great reward. This inheritance is so remarkable that Paul was like, there are not even words to describe it. I can't even talk about it. It's, in, it's inutterable. For me to try to even explain what God has prepared for those that love Him now. But for now, if need be, there are trials and tribulations that come because they test that faith. And in the process, they develop character in you if met with faith, partnering with the Holy Spirit and making the decision to walk in the things that God has sent in your way. So often it's so much easier to just check out. Picture oncoming traffic being the circumstances and the difficulties and the trials in your life and then you are facing those trials and you're thinking, you know, I would rather get drunk, get high, curse somebody out, you know, run the credit card, you know, fill in the blank, whatever easy off-ramp it is for you so you don't have to deal with the stuff that's coming your way. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The world is filled with those type of opportunities to not deal with with the trials in our life. Yet God says is when we deal with those things, that is the key to your destiny because it develops your character. 
The key is recognizing that you can't in your own strength get through that stuff. You know, the Bible says even the youths, even the young men will grow weary. Paulie, stand up for me, will you? Look at, look at this guy. This, give me one of these. This guy, you got to see him. Climb, he climbs trees. You need, he cuts trees. He carries big chainsaw. I can't even pick them up anymore. He's, the Bible says, as strong as he is, that these guys, thank you, will grow weary. When you're young, you feel so strong and vigorous. And, you know, and, and, and it's about, I don't know, around 30 where you're like, ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> Not so strong anymore. I'm telling you. I hear you. Keep, keep claiming the promises, but... Listen, we are all beautiful in heaven. <laughs> we are. We're all beautiful in heaven. I always tell the kids in school, I'm like, go home today, look in the mirror and shout, because that's the best you're ever going to look. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. I was like, y'all think you're something else because you're beautiful. I'm like, you're beautiful because you're 15. <laughs> Let's see how beautiful you are when you were 89. <laughs> I'm just saying. Although my grandmother, Faustina Scorchifava, she was a beautiful lady, right up even to the end. She had her hair went like this. It looked like a bunch of bagels on top of each other. God. Yeah. I'll have an everything bagel. All right. Listen, your faith, your confession of faith is going to be tested. Okay? Listen, as a body, we need to get comfortable with that. Nobody, you know, listen, nobody gets a free pass in life. You know, sometimes we're tempted. We look at people and we think, well, they have everything. Come on. Nobody. Nobody gets a free pass in this life. The longer you live, the more stuff you're going to go through. And the more mistakes you're going to make. That's why when Jesus, with the woman caught in the act of adultery, he said, whoever's here without sin, let him throw the first stone. And so what happened was the oldest guys dropped their stones first because they were like, hmm, that ain't me. You know, you know what I mean? They have this young guy still hanging out of the stones at the end, and they realize, you know, well, I've messed up too. But the longer you live, the more you're going to mess up. The longer you live, the more stuff you're going to go through. No one gets a free pass in life. And you, we just need to be comfortable with that confession is going to be tested. But listen, if we are faithful, not like the morning dew, but if we are faithful that we make it, we hang to God and we cling to God through the heat, then what's going to happen is, is in the end there's an inheritance for us. That is so great, it's not even, there aren't even words to describe it. And I feel like we don't meditate on that stuff enough because we, we're living in the natural and the problems that we're going through. Listen, guys, we need to think about this because there's, let me just say this, there are very serious, serious things that come our way. And we've had a little fun with the broken car and, and this and that, but think about some of the really serious things that happen in life and how heavy they are, how you can be going along and everything's going great and all of a sudden, you know, something tragic happens. How, how do you come up from that place? I mean, you, you, you're going to have to have a faith that's going to sustain you through that time. You know, and as I preached a couple weeks ago, it can't be your dad's faith or your grandfather's. It's got to be your own personal faith. Listen, the, the thing that sustains you through that time is, is being at his feet. 
just before uh, Jared started singing that song today about the alabaster and being at his feet, I was just meditating on this, and I just thought, you know, the way, this, this is going to blow all the faithfulness books away out there, but the way to be faithful is to remain hungry. The way to produce faithfulness in your life is to stay at his feet. I was having like this vision in my heart of when we get at the feet of Jesus and we cling to him in worship, that the stuff in the world gets vanquished by his presence. And what happens is you begin to see with the eyes of eternity and you recognize, you know, that there's an inheritance for you and that no matter what happens in this life, that he's going to wipe away every tear. That there will be no more sickness, there will be no more pain, there will be no more death. All the former things will have passed away. And despite any circumstance going on here, we can find the strength in His presence to go through whatever comes our way. Listen, come on, this is why we come to church, to be encouraged by the Word. This is the Word of the Lord. You know, if you were Catholic, you'd say, thanks be to God right now. <laughs> How many of you still have it? You were like, thanks be to God, right? Like that was in good. Hey, that, that's good. That'll preach, you know? We need to do that more in Pentecost. When pastor says, that's the word of the Lord, we need to say, thanks be to God. (laughs) From the heart, amen? I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be strengthened today. I want you to recognize that a relationship and being hungry for God and at His feet, that's going to produce faithfulness. In the end, you want Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not going to be about all the stuff that you accomplished. It's going to be like you were faithful to cling to me through it all. Are you hearing me? That's faithfulness. That's not that I have to have a resume of stuff that I've done. That's that I clung to you no matter what. In the storm, when I thought the ship was going down, I clung to you. I clung to your garments. I recognized that all strength and goodness comes from your presence. And, and, and then when we get welcomed into that place of eternity, it's only because He was faithful. See, that's faithfulness comes from Him, not from us. You understand? The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. It's not something we produce. It's something He produces inside of us because we cling to Him. Amen? It takes all the pressure off of that. I need to be something that I'm not. All I need to do is be in His presence. All I need to do is stay hungry for Him. All I need to do is cling to Him and be at His feet. And in that place, He's going to help me walk through anything that I have to walk through. And Peter said, listen, do not be surprised that stuff happens. Come on, it's in the Bible. Don't be surprised that stuff happens. It's going to happen. Sometimes it's minor, like the car breaks down, and sometimes it's very serious. And I don't discount that, but the reality is, is is God's calling us to walk through some of that stuff. What are we going to do during that day? You know, what what are we going to do when we're faced with really serious, difficult circumstances? Because in that moment, your faith is really tested. Listen, I've been there, and if anybody was qualified to write about this, it was Peter. Because Peter was like, listen to what Peter's saying. Don't be surprised that your confession is tested. Because here was Peter. If all fall away, I won't. You understand? Everybody else could fall, but I'll even go to my death for you. And then that very night, he's denying the Lord. Listen, I love Peter. I really do. You want to talk about Peter was a humble man and he loved the Lord. But he was qualified to write on this. He was like, I know what I'm talking about. Because my confession was tested and I, I was found wanting. In my own personal life, I've had an experience where my confession was found wanting. I thought I was walking in a place with God. Listen, just sometimes because you understand doctrine, you think that that's who you are. Just because you mentally understand doesn't mean you're walking in that. You understand? And because I could mentally understand stuff and even preach on it, I thought this is who I am. 
And then sifting comes. Peter was sifted. Pruning and sifting are different. Sifting. Sifting is really bad. Really, really, really horrific. Horrible. Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But I will tell you this, is that God produces really good things out of it. Because then you got Peter who's walking in the shadow. You know, God's using it to heal people. And the very same people that threaten them. And they're like, don't preach anymore. Instead of being afraid, he was like, I have to listen to God. I have to do what God has. Peter was crucified upside down. Peter's wife was crucified in front of him while he yelled tradition says, remember Christ, remember Christ, remember Christ. I mean, that man walked in a realm of faith after he'd gone through this experience and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. The very things that he wanted to do, what did he say? He goes, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison for you. And everybody remembers he denied the Lord. But do you remember this, that he actually did die for the Lord? He actually did go to prison. All the things that he wanted to do, but lacked the strength in himself to do, the Lord brought it about in his life because God is the giver of faithfulness. Peter's heart was that he would be faithful, but he lacked the character. And so God, through circumstances, produced the character in him that he could walk in the stuff that he was called to walk in. How cool is that? You get a vision in your heart and God's like, I'm going to bring this vision to pass. And where you lack the character to make it happen, he will produce the character in you. Your part is to not get offended. Hello. Our part is to not become offended with the circumstances that come our way. Listen, it's okay to cry. You know, it's okay, it's okay for you to experience all the emotions that go along with when something bad happens. But let's not cast off our faith. Let's say, God, I don't understand, but I know you're good. You read the Psalms, David went through all kinds of experience. David's pain that he felt was so intense that there were times with his suffering actually prophetically started to uh, prophesy the Messianic Psalms. He was in such a horrific place of pain that he started to identify with the pain of Christ. And started to write and prophesy about things, uh, what Jesus would go through on the cross. That's how intense his pain was. But if you look at the Psalms, but he's always finishing up with saying, but God, I know you're faithful. I know I can trust you. And in the end, there's an inheritance for you and me. We cannot forget glory. We cannot forget heaven. We cannot forget all the things that God has prepared for us. And those things will sustain us. Faith in God's goodness and His faithfulness in the years to come. Very quickly, I'd like you to go to uh, Zechariah. Do we have this? Zechariah, I think, chapter 4. Amen. Or you can just look right here. It says, So he answered and said to me, watch this, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now we know that, but watch this, verse 7. Who are you? This is the Lord still speaking, O great mountain. Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace and grace to it. Let me explain this. Zerubbabel was called to go back and rebuild the temple after Israel had been in exile for 70 years. This is a great, great story. I wish I had months to teach you on this whole thing. There was a a regime change. The Babylonians controlled the whole world. And what happened was, without even a war, they gave over all their power to the Persians. And the king of the Persians, his name was Cyrus. Cyrus is actually written in the scriptures prophesied by Isaiah that his purpose for coming to be king would be to send the Jews back to rebuild the temple. 
Many scholars believe it was Daniel who actually brought the scripture to him of Isaiah, the scroll, and unrolled it and said, here you are in the word and this is what you're supposed to do. Well, the implication is that Cyrus read his name in the scriptures and realized this is why I exist. And he decreed that the Jews would go. And they went forth with singing. Psalm 126 says they, they went forth with singing songs and they were like men who dreamed and they went back to rebuild the temple. But when they went back to rebuild the temple, the enemy demonically stirred up all kinds of issues to try to stop them from building. They were discouraged on every level you can imagine. And Zerubbabel was the chief one who was supposed to build this temple. He was the one who started it. And through his time of despair, here comes this word of the Lord. The Lord says, listen, it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power. But by my spirit, you're going to see this thing accomplished. And he said, let's go modern New Testament. He, he, He says, he that began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. Are you hearing me? And so he put this vision in Zerubbabel's heart. And then here comes this mountain. Now it's not a literal mountain, but it's metaphoric. Of all the trials and the tribulations that would come our way, that would get us to stop building, that would get us to stop moving forward, that they would get us, that it would make us feel stuck. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? That you're stuck and these things are in front of me and I've been stuck for years and I had vision in my heart and I don't see it coming to pass. And God speaks to that mountain and he goes, who are you to stand in his way? He says, I am speaking to you, mountain, and I am making you a plain by my spirit. And Zerubbabel, the one who started the temple, will put the last the last brick, the last piece on the very top of that temple. And listen, I want you, some of you are getting this. I want you to recognize what the Spirit of God is saying to you. You have to name your mountain. He said, who are you? He didn't say, what are you? He said, who are you? Because this thing took on a life of itself. This thing, there was demonic forces behind it. And very often there are, even in your life, that are trying to hold you up from walking forward, walking in your inheritance, walking in your vision. And God names it. He says, who are you? Who do you think you are? Before Zerubbabel, before you, insert your name. Right now, say, before Jared, before Melanie, before Tina, before Mark, before Blaine, before Joan, insert your name. He says, before you, speaking to this thing that's trying to keep you back from your destiny, he goes, I want you to recognize, you think you're a mountain, but I'm making you a plain by my spirit. It's not going to be by his might. It's not going to be by his power, but by my spirit, I am bringing this thing down so they can walk in their inheritance. And that right there, my friends, is where the amen goes. Are you jacked up? You need to get excited. There are no trials or tribulations or circumstances that can come your way that can stop you from walking in your destiny. If you are at the feet of the Lord by His Spirit, He's going to bring it to pass. This should get you excited. You get that those words from long ago start stirring you. Listen, God knows right where you are. Now, I've got to give you this quick, quick little testimony, okay? I didn't tell my wife yet. This has all happened in the last 24 hours. This is just crazy what I'm going to tell you. This is the God knows right where you are. Okay, Dean Miferatis, you all know Dean? Okay, he'll be coming, praise the Lord. Um, Dean called me yesterday, he's from an airport, he's in between planes. And he says to me, he, go, he starts saying, we're having a conversation, how you doing this now, what have you been doing? And he goes, listen, he goes, dude. And he starts to tell me, he goes, I'm taking you to Germany. That's what he says to me. He goes, I, I, I just know that the Lord's telling me that I need to take you to Germany. Right? 
And he starts to tell me, he goes, I was in Brussels recently. I did this thing in Brussels. He goes, you know, we haven't done ministry in years in places where you didn't have to worry about drinking the water. You know what I mean? It's the first time they've been in like in, in civilized places in years and years. And he said, and he got an invite to go to Brussels. And at first he was like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's not what we do. We go Africa, we go India, we go Asia. And then his wife rebuked him and it was like, Europe is darker than anywhere. That's where you need to go, you know? And so he, he, he was like, man, I need to go. So he goes to Brussels the capital of the European Union, and they had flat-out revival in one of the Bible schools there. Even all the Bible school instructors got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but that's a good thing, amen? <laughs> you understand? So they were all praising God and worshiping God, and a door opened up to go to Germany, and he's like, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you need to go. Right? As he's telling me this, I'm, I'm having this, this like out-of-body experience thing going on with me because I'm recognizing this is not the first time that I've heard this. And I couldn't remember what I said, Dean, I either heard this in a dream or someone prophesied it to me recently. I said, the only reason why I'm having a hard time remembering it is I said it caught me so off guard because it wasn't even on the radar that, um, that I didn't even put two and two together. But I said, I'm telling you, and just recently, somebody else had told me this or I, or I dreamt it. So I started thinking about it. And I thought maybe it was Chris. And so I called up Chris and I was talking to Chris and I was like, Chris, did you tell me that I was going to do? As I was speaking to him, the Holy Spirit reminds me it was Pastor Otis. And I was like, you know what? It was Pastor Otis. Good talking to you, though. <laughs> yeah. So I hang up, and I remember a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I gave up a quick little word, and I went out and I grabbed a cup of coffee. And in between services, Adi grabs me, and he takes me outside, and he goes, dude, he goes, if somebody comes to you and says that you need to go to Germany, you need to go. That's what he says to me. Wow. Yeah. He goes, God has something there for you. All, the whole word came right back to me. He goes, God has something there for you that he's going to do in you in that place. And he gives me this whole word about Germany and it just kind of shelved it because I never thought about going to Germany, right? And so then I'm, then I'm talking to Pastor Otis because I call him. I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe this. So I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, do you remember when you prophesied that somebody's going to ask me to go to Germany? Well, Dean just called me and asked me to go to Germany, right? Right as I'm talking to him, I remember that my mom in a few weeks booked a vacation for us in Helen, Georgia, Germantown. I'm like, dude, I'm going to Germantown. Let everything be established by two or three. I was like, my wife is German. <laughs> I'm supposed to go to Germany. Isn't that crazy? I mean, what's my point? It's God knows right where you are. I was like, listen, there's no way I'm not going. <laughs> you understand? You, that is God. And it's so funny because I've had invites and the money for the last uh, couple of years to go back to Africa. And I love going to Africa, but I just, I, I just had a check. You know, I just, I was like, I, I don't know. I just, it just didn't seem like the right timing, the right whatever. And, and you know, I just, I just had a check about it. And I mean, I want to go. I love going to Africa, but it just hasn't worked out. But then all of a sudden God flings open this door for you that you're supposed to walk through. I want you to know, like he's that dramatic. He understands right where you are. You stay at his feet and stay clean to me. He's going to fling open doors for you. Listen, he is testing your faithfulness. Can you be faithful with small things over a long period of time? You know, when we moved to Florida um, a long time ago now, it's been a long time, uh, we were offered um, a job. I was offered a job at uh, Meadowbrook or Callaway of Faith. Um, you guys know that big, huge church? As a school teacher. Now, in the natural, working in a place like that was really tempted. I mean, you're like, wow, you know, all the stuff that I went through in New York with our little church trying to get it to grow, it's already happened here, you know? It was like my time on the Temple Mount. This can all be yours, you know? They sweep me in the back door, and I was meeting all the pastors and everything, you know? And it was very tempting, but I remember feeling like, you know, we had just visited Calvary, and I hung out with Pastor Otis, and 
I remember we played that game, uh, was it Pitt, was it? You know, so we, we were playing this game, and, and, I, and as I was standing there and they were offering it to me, I just felt like, you know what? I just know I'm, that I'm supposed to be at, at this small church, Calvary. And I was just like, I can't take this job. I've got I to stay where God planted me. I, I know that's where I'm supposed to be. And even over the years, it's been, you know, there's been times where I felt like, man, I've got to go. I've got to do this. I gotta, but, I, but God's not opening doors, and you just have to be faithful to do what he tells you to do for as long as he tells you to do it and hang in that place. And I was talking to Pastor Otis about it last night, and I thought, you know, the Lord surrounds you and builds relationships with all the people that you need to be connected with. So we don't need to network. We don't need to do any of those things. He opens all the doors for us in our time to walk through. But what is he looking for? He's looking for faithfulness. Can you be faithful for a long time in, in small things? And what is the key to that? You have to stay hooked up to him because otherwise you'll drift. When the heat gets on, you're going to be like, this, uh, that's not worth it to me. Just like Hosea, you know, the trials start coming. Listen, religion will not sustain you when trials come. I mean, I think we all know that. But this is where we need to judge ourselves in the house of God. Listen, we have to judge ourselves. Do we have religion or do we have Jesus? I was talking to the um, pastor of uh, uh, Cornerstone Baptist. What a great guy. Um, I met with him the other day. I'm going to be preaching there. Isn't that great that God's opening up those doors? Isn't that awesome? And so I met with him for about two hours in his office. And, uh, you know, he was telling me he was, his dad was a pastor 52 years. But he was on the street one time and some guy just walked up to him and he knew all the Christian stuff. And he said to him, hey, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And he said, out of his heart, right out of his mouth, said, No before he could even think about it. And he realized in that moment, wow, and he'd been in church his whole life. See, a lot of us, we come to church every week, and you know, but do we really know him? Because when trials and tribulation come, we, religion won't sustain us. Our, our daddy's religion won't sustain us. We have to know him for ourselves. And if we know him for ourselves, then what's going to happen is, is that relationship is going to produce the type of intimacy that you need to be faithful. Can you say amen? Listen, we continue with these scriptures. It says that Zerubbabel, when he's all done and he puts that uh, cap on, that he's going to scream, grace, grace. Grace that helped him do the whole thing. And listen, this is the best part, in the grace that's coming now that that temple is done. So you need to understand something. When God takes you through something and you're like, man, God brought me through this whole thing by his grace, the grace is also for the next thing that's coming, which is so exciting. Because God doesn't just take you through stuff for no reason. Because when you have gone through stuff and you've been proven faithful, then he's got something for you to walk in. Isn't that exciting? He's got something for every one of us to walk in. Right? It's like with money. You know, one of the things the Bible says we have to be faithful in is money. Like, you know, God says, you know, I can't trust the true riches of the kingdom with you unless you can be faithful with things of the, of the earth, mammon, right, with money. So you be faithful with money, it opens up the door to true riches. If your faithfulness... If you're faithful over a small period or for a long time with small things, right, then what happens is, is God says, I'm going to make you ruler over big things, lots of things. I've got all kinds of opportunities for you because I know I can trust you because you stuck with me during these tough times. So it's not just grace that whew, the temple's finished, but it's grace for what's going to happen now. What's the next thing that God's going to do because he took us through this particular experience? And it says, moreover, the word came to me. So the word of the Lord kept coming and he said, the hands of Zerubbabel, that have laid the foundation of this temple, watch it, and his hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Watch this. For who has despised the day of small things? There it is right in the scriptures. And I want you to recognize that. Don't despise small things. When I used to teach discipleship to the kids, I would tell them all the time, you need to fall in love with smallness and time. You need to fall in love with obscurity. 
You need to be faithful to God when no one's looking and trust that He sees you. He sees every little sacrifice that you make, every little thing, that you, every little kind word that you do, every time that you have an opportunity to be offended with somebody and you choose not to. Every small little thing that you do, endeavoring to walk with Him, He sees it. And God says, don't despise that day. Don't despise the day when you're doing things in the dark and no one can see it but me. You know, seeds, they plant seeds, they grow down first. They got to get down and get water first. They go down for a long time, they grow down. And then one day, in the proper season, they grow up. And the sun hits them and the nourishment hits them. And over a long period of time, they grow into trees. And then eventually in their season, they bear fruit. And it's a great season when that fruit is born. But what about that season when you're in the dark and you're growing down searching for water? And the Bible says that you'll be like what? A tree. He says you're going to be like a tree. You're going to have this experience. You said it is necessary to go through this experience of digging down deep for living water to nourish you. And if you have deep roots, you know we know this, you're going to bear fruit. I mean, Jesus preached the, you know, a whole sermon, one of the most famous parables about having roots that endure. And when you get roots and you get down, and, and that's all about relationship. That's all about a depthness, a depthness with God. It's all about a walk with God and a trust with God and a relationship with God that's going to that's gonna be able to listen when that tree has fruit to sustain that fruit. You know, that a, that a, a wind's not going to come and just blow that tree over. That that tree's going to be able to survive everything and in its season bear fruit. Um, Faithfulness is available to us by His Spirit. And, and the prerequisite for faithfulness is hunger. Hunger and humbleness. That we, that we get hungry and we seek after God and we seek after His presence. And we welcome the day of small things. We say, God, I will do whatever you ask me to do for how long you ask me to do it. You understand? We don't say, we don't draw lines and say, well, that's it, God. You didn't meet my demands, but he will never. You understand? You know, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Many people think that that means if, if, if you take one step to God, then he owes you one step and that type of thing. But you can't do that. It never tells you how or, or when or on what terms God's going to come. All it tells you is you need to draw near to him. And if you draw near to him and his time and his way, he's going to reveal himself to you. And when he reveals himself to you, and you have a relationship with Him, it's going to produce the fruit of faithfulness in your life and you're going to be able to cling to Him and make it through whatever comes your way. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's stand on our feet real quickly. Are you encouraged? That, listen, I felt like you need to get encouraged today and that whole stuck thing that you just need to realize. You know what? You thought you were stuck, but you're not. Everyone say, I'm not stuck. Say, I'm moving forward. Say, God's doing stuff in me. Say, He's faithful. Say, I trust Him. This is not the end. Say, I am not the tail. Say, I'm the head. Amen.